Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Amen. Thank you, Ken. God is good. Yeah, thank you so much for your tithes and offerings. And yeah, we just uh, are, are so excited about this new season that we're in. Um, I was, I'm surprised. I thought the first, I thought the second service would be the more full, but the first service was more full than second. But thanks for being here this morning. And uh, we're stepping into a new season. We were out last week um, because uh, Joy uh, was diagnosed with COVID. And um, thankfully, by the time she got the, the uh, test results back, she was already at the end of it. And so we went through our, our, quarantine period and we're, we're through it. You feel, you kind of feel like a leper when you're going through all that, like leper. And, uh, so we were at home and took the kids out of school, but now we're, we're done through it and back. And so happy to be back. Yeah. Thank you. A couple people are, a couple people are glad that we're back. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I've got some, uh, well, I want to say first, I want to say thank you to, to Diane Bach, um, for stepping up. Yeah, last week, um, awesome message. I said it in this first service, but that's awesome. I think that's the best message I've ever heard you preach. So good, just anointed. And uh, she just immediately stepped in when she found out what was going on with us. And she's like, I got this. And so just so thankful for you guys, both you and Ken. You guys are so amazing. And we love all of you, all of our leaders. Thank you so much for just being so amazing. And so I do have some, some funny things today. And uh, we're ready in the sound booth. Um, I, I surprised him in the first service, forgot to tell him to put the pictures up, so that was my fault. But we're ready this service. So um, I have, uh, the first thing I have is this is uh, kids imagining what life would be like after 40. So this is kids imagining what life would, life would be like after 40. So Rita Monahan, who's age nine, says, I am 40. I have wrinkles and gray hair, and I would have a walking stick to help me walk. So Becky Turner, age eight, says this, I am 40, I am turning old, I just left work because I cannot manage going up and down hills. I know that I will die soon. <laughs> okay, we got, I got a few funny pictures, I just couldn't resist. Um, so this first picture, this is men over 30 in skinny jeans. <laughs> I just... I think it's hilarious that someone took the time to Photoshop pants on that little dog. <laughs> and then uh, this, is, uh, this next one is just your affirmation. You guys need to be affirmed today, so I want to just give you a daily affirmation. You are good enough. Actually, you're probably overqualified, but let's start the day off humble. And that's, that's actually, I had, a, I had one more picture. Do you have that other picture? I couldn't resist. I had to slip that in. <laughs> That's my little Isaac. He's our, he's our dumpster diver now. He'll go in the, anything he can get in, his hands in, he would put his hands in and pull out. So he pulls out trash now. And we had to move our keys and stuff because he opens the drawer and just starts pulling everything out. We're like, where'd our keys go? He's walking around the house. We hear the alarm going off outside. The, the car alarm's going off. He's pressing the button. And so, yeah, I couldn't resist. I had to put that in. So I have one more thing. And this, this, I don't know, this one's wrong. This one's kind of wrong. I don't know if I should do this one. 
Brad, should I do this one? Okay. This is, this is Brad's fault if you don't like it. You can just blame Brad. Okay. So I, I hate it when you offer someone a sincere compliment on their mustache and suddenly she's not your friend anymore. <laughs> you said it was okay. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's a sincere compliment. Come on. So as a, as a church, um, we're stepping out in faith. Um, we just added a second service, as you know, and this is a step of faith. Um, if we had no plans to grow, this would actually be a bad idea. This would be a bad move. Um, but we actually believe that God is growing us. And uh, yeah, if we didn't want to grow, we'd be like, hey, let's just maintain where we're at if we didn't feel like that we were going to grow. I mean, because technically we all fit in the building at once, even though there's been times where the parking lot's full. There's been times where there's too many kids in the classroom. There's been times where there's lines for the bathroom, <laughs> and uh, that's not fun. And uh, so, but yeah, if we were just trying to stay right where we're at, it, this would be a bad idea, to, to be honest. It's just like, hey, let's just stay where we're at. Let's just stay with one service. Let's keep the family all in, all in the same place. But we do believe that the kingdom is constantly expanding. And how many know a healthy church grows? The kingdom is constantly increasing. Remember a few weeks ago when I talked about King Nebuchadnezzar and the dream that he has, and so this ungodly king has this dream where he sees this rock taken out of a mountain, and uh, the rock comes, and it crashes into this statue, and then this rock expands and increases until it covers the whole earth, and how many know the rock is Jesus? And so Jesus and his kingdom is ever-expanding. And when we connect to his kingdom, it's ever increasing in, our, in us too. That's why I love that verse, the righteous are like the light of dawn that gets brighter and brighter and brighter. So we can expect when we're attached to the kingdom, we need to expect that it's going to grow and it's going to increase. And also that it's growing inside of us. Like we're becoming more like him as we behold him, we become like him. And so the glory is increasing in us. Your anointing is increasing. Your um, connection to the Father, it's, it's increasing. We're supposed to expect that this is, is growing and expanding. So the kingdom is meant to increase. Isaiah 9, 7 says, There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. Everything that God is governing grows and there's nothing that can stop it. It's like that rock and that vision. It just kept growing and it increased until it covered the whole earth. Amen. So we're not to become complacent. We're not to go into a season of maintenance or protection. But we're to anticipate growth. So we've added a service because we're anticipating growth. And we're, in, we're giving God another bucket to fill. So we're like, God, you filled our... We had one bucket and you filled it. And now we're like giving God another bucket, and we're asking God, fill this new bucket. And you know, there's, there's a lot of empty seats now in this second service, and God has something to fill. Yeah. God has something to fill in both services. And so we're, we're moving forward in faith, believing, God, you're going to bring the increase. And so I ask you to partner with us in this step of faith and believe that God is, is increasing us, believe that God is bringing the people. I, I had this... Uh, well, I want to say this first. In early in, t in 2018, 
um, we had two prophetic words over our church, and one was from a lady that we know in Bethel, and the other one was from Chris Kildosher. And both of them, unconnected from each other, <clears throat> both of them said, I believe God is doubling your church within a year. And um, we saw that happen, and it happened probably around, uh, by the end of 2018, it, already, it, it had already happened. And so when Chris was here, uh, I think at the end of May this year, I just got this feeling again. It was like that same, like, you know, when you get a prophetic word and it can just, it can like resonate with you and be like, wow, this, I feel the Lord on that. And it had a certain, like when we got those words in 2018, it just felt a certain way. Like, you know, I feel like fire on this. So anyway, when Chris was here last time, I felt that same like fire. And I felt like the Lord was saying, I'm going to double you again within a year. And so this move is a step of faith, um, giving God the room to double us. Because honestly, where we were at, even in May, he doesn't have the room to double us. So we're, we're stepping out in faith, giving him the buckets so that he can fill up. And so, and you know, and this is still, we're a smaller church. It doesn't take just a few families and we're full again. And so, yeah, just we believe that God is increasing us and growing us. So I'm going to talk to you this morning about stepping out in faith. And it's what Diane spoke about last week. <laughs> stepping out in faith. The nature of the life of a believer is that we live by faith. We're called believers. So since we believe in something that we can't see. By the way, whoever put that there, thank you. It's like, that's, that's so helpful. Since we believe in something we can't see with our physical eyes, we understand that we aren't led by what we see in the natural, but we're led by faith. We're led by faith. So as Christians, we're led by our beliefs, not by our sight. This is what it means to walk in faith. It means we're being led by what we believe, not by what we can see. Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. He says, we walk by faith, not by sight. One translation says it like this, for we live by believing and not by seeing. We live by believing and not by seeing. And it's, it's interesting because we live in a world where most people and even many Christians live by what they can see and not by what God says or what's true in the spirit. So we're called to live by faith, to live by what God has spoken over us. And that's why we like to steward prophetic words. That's why we like to know what his word says. We'd like to stay close to what God is saying in the moment because we want to live by faith and what he's saying, not by what we see in the natural. So there's a great story in uh, Matthew chapter 8. And I want to read it today out of the Passion Translation. And it says this, um, in the Passion Translation, verse 5, Matthew 8, verse 5, says, When Jesus entered the village of Capernaum, a captain in the royal army approached him, asking for a miracle. Lord, he said, I have a son who is lying in my home, paralyzed and suffering terribly. Jesus responded, I will go with you and heal him. But the officer interjected, Lord, who am I to have you come under my house? I understand your authority, for I too am a man who walks under authority and have authority over soldiers who serve under me. And I tell one to go, and he'll go, 
and another to come, and he'll come. I command my servants, and they'll do whatever I ask. So I know that all you need to do is stand here and command healing over my son, and he will be instantly healed. I love verse 10. It says this. Jesus was astonished. Jesus was astonished when he heard this. And he said to those who were following him, he has greater faith than anyone I've encountered in Israel. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Multitudes of Gentiles will stream from the east and west to enter into the heavenly kingdom with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But many Israelites born to be heirs of the kingdom will turn away will be turned away and banished into the darkness where there will be bitter weeping and unbearable anguish. Then Jesus turned to the Roman officer and said, go home, all that you have believed for will be done for you. And his son was healed at that very moment. So there's a couple interesting things about this passage. Um, number one, this is, this is a Roman officer that's coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, would you heal my son? And, you know, of course, at that time, the Romans were the occupiers of Israel. This is the enemies of Israel. These are the oppressors of Israel. And Jesus doesn't see an oppressor. He doesn't see an enemy. He sees a father who's concerned about his son. He sees with compassion. He's like, this man comes to him and he's asking him for help. And Jesus doesn't hesitate. He immediately says, I'm going to go with you and I'm going to heal him. Sometimes we see an enemy and God sees a father. God sees a, a son. God sees an aunt. God sees a mother. And so we need to see with God's eyes. So I just love Jesus. He's constantly just uh, baffling those around him by doing things that you just didn't do as a Jewish person. Um, we see it with the woman at the well. He's hanging out with this woman. She's a Samaritan woman. Jews and Samaritans didn't have dealings with one another. And also just even for a man to approach a woman in private was, was also another thing he didn't do. And so here's Jesus going beyond both of the barriers and approaching the Samaritan woman and just loving on her. We also see it when he's hanging out with known sinners and tax collectors and the religious people are just scratching their heads. They're like, what is your, what is your master doing? Like, why is he hanging out with these people? And Jesus says, by the way, Jesus gets this second hand. They're like, hey, this is what's being said about you. They didn't tell him. And he says, go tell him that I came for the sick, not the healthy. These are the people I'm here for. Now here's a Roman officer, the enemy of the Jews, and Jesus he asked Jesus to heal his son, and immediately Jesus agrees to go with them and heal him. So number one, the interesting thing about that story is this, is this is a Roman officer. But number two is what's interesting about this story. It says Jesus was astonished. He was astonished by his faith. Other translations say that Jesus was amazed there's a couple translations that say he was surprised. And, and many translations say that he marveled at his faith. So here's what's amazing to me is that we can amaze God. Like we can actually cause God to be surprised. We can cause God to marvel at us. This is good. Think of this. This is God. He's like, well, I'm amazed. I'm astonished. I'm surprised. Look at this faith. So what, what astonishes God? Your faith. Your faith astonishes God. If you want to astonish God, if you want to amaze God, step out in faith. Step out in faith. And even if it's a swing and a miss, which often it might be, 
God's amazed. He's like, wow, look at that faith. Look at that faith. I know we, we, you know, Caleb and I went out evangelizing yesterday, yesterday, and sometimes it feels like a swing and a miss. And I believe God's like, wow, look at that faith. You guys stepped out. You guys are not afraid to talk to people. So we do that with prophetic words, like, you know, hey, that's why we bring it with, you know, humility, like, hey, I feel like, I feel like the Lord is, is saying this. And sometimes it can be like, no, nah, I think, that, I think, that I don't, I don't know if that's, you know, what maybe you missed there. But I believe every time it's like, God's like, wow, look at that faith. They stepped out. He's not results driven, but he is absolutely moved by faith. Step out in faith. Step out in faith. It's what impresses God's heart. It moves his heart. So Jesus looks at this Roman officer and he says, wow, look at that faith. Look at that faith. So the Roman officer had great faith. And talk about three different types of faith today. The Roman officer had great faith. And it's interesting to me that a Roman from a pagan culture is the one that Jesus looks at and says, wow, I've not seen faith like that in all of Israel. All of God's chosen people of Israel, I've not seen this kind of faith that I've seen in this pagan Roman officer that comes from a pagan culture. So oftentimes, what, is, what does that speak to us? Oftentimes, religion can talk us out of our faith. And this was a time period in our world where there was a lot of religion and religious oppression. And oftentimes, when we've kind of come up in religion, it can kind of rob us of our faith. Caleb and I met a guy like that yesterday. He goes, yeah, yeah, I've heard all that. Heard that, grew up in church. Faith meter reading at zero right now. <laughs> And so what happens is we can have a religious experience, but it's not a God experience. And it can actually, when we encounter religion, which isn't God, it can actually, and we say, well, that's, we, if we think it's God, it can actually rob us of real faith because we haven't actually encountered God and we haven't put our faith in what's real, God. And so as Christians, especially if we grew up in church all our life, we need to like, we need to be aware of our hope meter and our faith meter. Because oftentimes, and it's happened to me, we can be like, our faith meter and our hope meter can be really low. And just because maybe of a leader in the past that's hurt us or an experience we've had in church that wasn't good. And we need to be able to forgive those people and actually step back into a place of faith. Whenever you go through pain, by the way, especially if it's church pain, any pain at all. When you go through pain, the enemy's trying to slip a lie in. And he hardly ever will say exactly what he wants you to believe, but he says something that wants to lead you to believe something else. Like, God didn't come out, or uh, Satan didn't come out and, and tell Eve, like, God's not good. He just slipped in a lie that's like, oh, did you really say that? He said you just couldn't eat of any tree. He was trying to lead her to another belief that's, that, that says this, God's not really for you. He's not really that good. And so whenever you go through pain, the enemy is trying to find that moment to slip in a lie. And if you go through church pain, the, the lies sound like this. God is going to disappoint you. Faith is risky. If you don't believe for anything, you won't get hurt again. I've seen it so much in church, and it's, it's so sad. You see people, and again, this is... This is kind of what we're talking about. I've seen people in church who've been in church their whole life and they have like zero faith for their healing. And they're just like, nope, I tried that. 
didn't work and I don't want to get my hopes up again. God's telling you, get your hope up again. Get your hope up again. You might have believed a lie and I've been there before. If you don't believe for anything, you're not going to get hurt again. You don't want to get disappointed. Don't have faith and you won't get disappointed. The enemy is warring against your faith. He's warring against your faith. He, he knows he can't take your salvation, so now he wants to make you a faithless, hopeless Christian to where you're ineffective because you're in a place of hopelessness. Are you guys awake this morning? <laughs> Jesus, thank you, Lord. The enemy is warring against your faith. So we need to come to the place where we decide like, hey, I would rather walk in hope and faith and have occasional disappointment than to walk in hopelessness and never believe for anything. We need to walk in hope and, and there's gonna be occasional disappointment, but I'd rather have occasional disappointment than to walk in hopelessness. So I wanna read to you another story about faith. We read about the Roman officer who had great faith. Here's another story about faith. This is found in Luke 18. And I'm going to read uh, again in the Passion Translation, verses 1 through 8. Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. I'll give you a second if you want to follow along. Verse 1. It says, one day Jesus taught the apostles to keep praying and never stop or lose hope. If you'd like to know what's going to happen in the future, that's the verse I'm going to preach on next week. God's given me just tons of revelation on this one scripture, and I'm like, oh, I'm coming back to that. <laughs> I'm going to read it again. One day Jesus taught the apostles to keep praying and never stop or lose hope. Jesus, before I read the rest of this passage, I just want to tell you, Jesus wants us to live a lifestyle, a lifestyle of continual faith and hope. Whatever you're believing God for, please don't give up. Please don't give up. And if you've given up, I'm asking you to risk again. Faith is sometimes spelled R-A-S-K. Risk, step out in faith and begin to believe again. Don't live a life of hopelessness. Our parts of our heart, I believe, start to die when we have parts of our heart that have lost hope. We start to lose some of that excitement, some of that joy when we've lost some of those places or we have areas in our heart where we've given, given up on. Joy wants, or Jesus and, and joy, wants you to live a lifestyle of continual faith and hope. Yeah. This verse is so encouraging to me because God will never ask you to do something that you can't do. So we, it's possible that we can live a lifestyle of constant faith and hope no matter what's going on in the world. No matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on in our nation, we can live a life of constant hope. And it's, we don't bury our head in the sand, but we need to be in a place of faith and hope to actually deal with the problems that we're facing. If you deal with the problems in our nation right now or in your family or whatever it is, if you deal with it in a place of fear, you're already in a losing battle. You start off in a losing place, a position. 
when you come at it with fear or when you come at it with faith, when you come at it with hope, now we can actually hear from heaven and God has heavenly solutions. I prophesy over you right now. God has heavenly solutions for your situations. He has heavenly solutions for our nation right now. He has heavenly solutions. And we need to be in the place of faith and hope to receive those downloads from heaven. Because when we get in that place of fear, we're on a losing ground. We're in the enemy's territory. There is no fear in God. There's zero fear in God. So when we start off there, we're in the enemy's territory. Okay, let me read this passage. I'll read the first one again. One day Jesus taught the apostles to keep praying and never stop or lose hope. He shared with them this illustration. In a certain town, there was a judge a thick-skinned and godless man who had no fear of others' opinions. And in the same town, there was a poor widow who kept pleading with the judge. This is what she said. Grant me justice and protect me from my oppressor. He ignored her pleas for quite some time, but she kept asking. Eventually, he said to himself, this widow keeps annoying me, demanding her rights, and I'm tired of listening to her. Even though I'm not a religious man and I don't care about the opinions of others, I'll get her off my back by answering her claims for justice and I'll rule in her favor. Then she'll leave me alone. Jesus continued, did you hear what the godless judge said that he would answer her persistent requests? Don't you know that God, the true judge, will grant justice to all his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? He will pour out his spirit upon them. He will not delay to answer you and give you what you ask for. God will give swift justice to those who don't give up. So be ever praying, ever expecting in the same way as the widow. Even so, when the Son of Man comes back, will he find this kind of undying faith on the earth? That's the scripture that you probably know is when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? We see a woman in this story crying out for justice. The unrighteous judge sees an annoying person, an annoyance. But God says, he looks at this and he says, wow, look at her faith. Look at that undying faith. Look at that persistent, continual faith. She didn't give up. She kept coming back and said, I want justice. I want justice. Look at that faith. God loves our faith. Faith moves God's heart. So the Roman officer had great faith. The poor widow had persistent faith. And I want to tell you one more story about faith. This can be found in Mark chapter 9. A man with a demon-possessed son comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, if you are able to do something, have compassion on us and help us. And this is uh, Mark 9, 23 and 24. Jesus says to him, what do you mean if? If you are able to believe, all things are possible to the believer. When he heard this, the boy's father cried out with tears, saying, I do believe, Lord. Help my little faith. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. So the Roman officer had great faith. The poor widow had persistent faith. And this man had little faith. He had little faith, but he did have faith. I want to tell you this morning, 
All God needs is a mustard seed of your faith. That's all he needs. Sometimes this guy gets a bad rap. He actually had faith. He just had a little bit. And he brings what he has, this little bit of faith, and says, Lord, I'm going to partner with, with belief right now. I do believe, but help my unbelief. That's a declaration. The man said, Lord, I believe. He actually made a good declaration. Lord, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. There's an unhealthy uh, place that we can go with, like, declarations. How many know we, like, love declarations, and I like to declare things over myself and over my family and over you guys and over my nation? I'm constantly just declaring things. But there's an unhealthy place that we can go where we feel like, hey, if I'm vulnerable with the Lord, it's going to come across to him as a lack of faith. And I think it's an unhealthy place to where I think it's actually good what this man did. He said, Lord, I, I'm going to make a, a positive declaration here. I do believe, but help my unbelief. You can come to God in a vulnerable place and say, God, I am struggling right now. But I do believe what your word says. I do believe what you're saying over me. So we don't want to be in this unhealthy place where I'm like, nope, nope, I can't even think that thought because God will think I'm not in faith. <laughs> Do you, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, you can go vulnerably to God. Make a, make a powerful declaration when you do, you know? Like, Lord, I am struggling. I'm having a hard moment. This is hard, but I do believe. I do believe that you're who, who you said you are, who you say you are. All God needs is a mustard seed. We can barely see it. It's so small, but it's but It's there. I want to submit to you this morning, you have more faith than you realize. The enemy's warring against your faith, so he's probably told you, yeah, in this area, you have no faith. It's a lie. <laughs> I want to submit to you, you have more faith than you realize. So we need to find those areas, especially those hopeless areas where we feel like, man, I've lost hope here. This is a hopeless area. I want to submit to you that you have faith there. It might just be a mustard seed. And so you need to find your mustard seed in that area and pick that back up and be like, Lord, I do believe for this. Help my unbelief. We don't always have faith like the Roman officer who had great faith. Sometimes we just come to God and say, Lord, this is all I have is a mustard seed. But there is something there. I believe. Help my unbelief. So what does this look like in your life? Maybe with some of the things that are going on in our world right now, you're struggling to stay in a place of faith and hope. And you need to take those concerns to the Lord and say, Lord, I do believe. I do believe that you're protecting me. I do believe that you're protecting my family throughout this situation. But help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Lord, I do believe. This is, this is a faith. This is like, man, my, my thoughts might be warring against me even saying, like, I believe. Your thoughts could be like, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't believe. You don't have, you know, and that, those are the enemy's thoughts. They're like, no, I actually do have the mustard seed of faith here. I do believe God can do anything. I do believe. God, help these thoughts, other thoughts I'm having. Help these other uh, temptations to go into fear and hopelessness. Help this area of unbelief. But Lord, I'm going to step into the faith where I say, I do believe. I do believe, Lord. And we don't 
this is not our constant declaration, like, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. But there's so many moments. I, I think, like, a lot of times, there's been things in my life where I knew I didn't believe what I needed to believe, and I would just declare what I needed to believe because it's what God said. And, but there's definitely those moments where I'm like, Lord, I'm struggling. I do believe, help my unbelief. What does this look like in your life? Lord, I do believe that revival is coming to America, but help my unbelief. Lord, I do believe that you're helping me in these marriage issues, but help my unbelief. Lord, I do believe that you're in the midst of this family issue, and I do believe that things are going to be okay, but help my unbelief. Lord, I do believe that I'm fully healed. I do believe that I'm healthy, and, but help my unbelief. Lord, I do believe that I'm going to have complete victory over this struggle, this personal struggle, but help my unbelief. All he needs is a mustard seed. All he needs is that little mustard seed. We sang it this morning. I didn't connect it until second service, but <clears throat> we sang it this morning. He, like he can move mountains with the mustard seeds. I'm trying to think, what was the exact line? Something like that. <laughs> All he needs is the mustard seed to move the mountain. So I want you to close your eyes with me this morning. And I want you to ask the Lord something. You know, there, sometimes we can feel ashamed or condemned because we don't have the faith of the, the Roman officer. But all you need is that little mustard seed of faith. And I want to ask you, like, areas that you've maybe gone into hopelessness in to find that mustard seed and to pick up that mustard seed and to bring it to Jesus. So with your eyes closed this morning... I just want you to ask the Lord something. So ask the Lord this. We're just going to take a minute and say, Lord, what do I need to have faith for in this season? Lord, what do I need to have faith for in this season? Now, let's make a declaration this morning. I want us to say this out loud. Say, Lord, I believe. I believe. Help me with any unbelief. Now, you can keep praying like this. You may not have great faith right now, but if you keep bringing your mustard seed to God, your faith will grow. This is how the kingdom works. You bring that little faith to God. Say, Lord, I bring in what I have right now, and your faith will grow. Watch your faith grow. And when you do this, when you continually just say, no, I'm going to stay in a place of faith. I'm going to bring my, my, my seed to God right now. You're demonstrating, you're demonstrating persistent faith, just like the poor widow. And God says, look at that faith. You know, all the circumstances in their life 
look like and would lead them to maybe think this, but look at that faith. They're stepping out contrary to what's going on in their life and saying, no, Lord, I believe. And God says, look at that faith. Look at that persistent faith. So I want to read, I want to read those verses about the widow again over you this morning, and I'm going to declare this over you prophetically. So you can close your eyes if you want. You can put out your hands if you want. You can stand if you want. You can lay on the floor if you want. But I'm going to, whatever helps you get in a position to receive this morning, I'm just going to declare this over you prophetically. We did this first service, and it was really powerful. Don't you know that God, the true judge, will grant justice to all his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night. He will pour out his spirit upon them. He will not delay to answer you and give you what you've asked for. God will give swift justice to those who don't give up. So be ever praying, ever expecting in the same way as the widow. Lord, help us to have great faith. Lord, help us to have persistent faith. But Lord, in some areas, maybe all we have is a mustard seed. And help us to bring that mustard seed to you and say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I just break hopelessness in this place. In Jesus' name. I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, you're breaking the back of hopelessness right now off of people. I just declare right now you're resurrecting dreams and passions that people have let go of. They've lost hope for. They've believed a lie and they've lost hope. And we break those lies right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.